to That's Orgasmic, a podcast discussing the orgasmic and not so orgasmic moments of all things sex, relationships and mental health. I am your host, Emily Duncan, and I'm a sexologist who provides online sex coaching sessions to help you cultivate sexual wellness. This episode features Miss Kanina, who is a music artist that has taken the Australian live music landscape by storm. She was recently awarded Triple J's Unearth Artist of the Year, which is massive here in Australia. So Miss Kanina and I discuss a whole heap of things in today's episode, from how Miss Kanina got to where she is currently, her experience in the music industry as an Indigenous woman, what empowers her to create music discussing sucking dick and being wet, her own experience with embracing her sexuality, and Miss Kanina's most and least orgasmic sexual experiences. Now, today is the last new episode of season four, so I just want to say a massive thank you to each and every one of you who has listened to the podcast this season and has listened to the podcast in general. I just celebrated my three years of the podcast on the 14th, which is massive. So I just want to say a big thank you. So I hope you all enjoy today's episode, Shaggers. Alrighty. So Miss Kanina, welcome to That's Orgasmic. I'm so excited to have you on here today. Thanks so much for having me, babe. I'm keen. Now, I would first love for you to just let the listeners know a bit about yourself, your work and the music that you create. Oh, my name is Miss Kanina. I'm proud Yodi Oda, Jaja Rong, Kapadun and Yerandali Sovereign Woman and artist. And I just started making music like two years ago. So I've been putting out some shit lately. Uh, the music's kind of like reflecting my people and my experience. And yeah, it's been really fun starting to represent my people in that kind of way. Yeah, amazing. And congratulations on your Triple J Unearth, like, Artist of the Year nomination. That's so exciting. I am so excited. It's, yeah. yeah, it's nice to be recognised kind of a little bit, you know. It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even just I can imagine just hearing your music on the radio. Like, I've heard your music on Triple J and it's just like I can only imagine how surreal that feeling would be. Yeah, I haven't. Um, it's probably only happened like maybe once where I've gotten in the car and I've heard it. But I was picked up from the airport yesterday by uh, my drummer's woman and it was playing on the radio. And I was like, whoa, I actually haven't heard Pinnacle Bitch on the radio yet. So, uh, yeah, it is kind of surreal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So I guess I'm curious if you're like, um, okay, we're sharing just like a bit about your background, like what got you to where you are today to making the music you create? Yeah, well, I guess... Um, I've always been around music. Like my mom was in a band when I was really young and my whole family um, sing, you know, like Blackfellas sing um, all the time. So I was always around music and, yeah, and then I didn't really take it that seriously and I did a completely different career. I did nursing. I have a Bachelor of Nursing. Um, And then I started gigging because I realised that I actually do want to start doing music and started writing a couple songs here and there and then I just kind of took on it's life of its own I mean like music is so great because it doesn't really feel like you're working you're just kind of like you know going to jams and all like going to rehearsals and it's just like hanging out with your friends and yeah and then I released two songs this year and then it became 
way more of a serious career. So I dropped, yeah, after I, um, I didn't actually start working as a nurse. I let it go so I could continue to be a, well, take on a music career. So I could have been a nurse, but I'm not, thank God, because instead I'm shaking my arms and sticking my finger up at the government. It's way more, way more fun. <laughs> yeah, fucking earth it is. I can only yeah. imagine. Um, yeah, and that's so exciting to be able to get, you know, to that point already and be like, all right, I can fuck this career off in nursing and go pursue your passion. Mm. Yeah, it was really weird because I feel like also though I just worked three years of my life and nursing mm-hmm. school nursing school is really hard and like nursing is really hard and I got a little bit of a taste of what it's like for the um the hospital and the healthcare system and you know our healthcare system is so corrupt and yeah it was really full on so I guess I have appreciation for nursing but yeah I, I did feel like I lost three years of my life because mm. I really enjoyed nursing I really enjoyed going to the hospital and like connecting with people but yeah, I care about music more. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And like, yeah, nursing, I've got a few friends who I've done uni with and who are nurses and like it is, I have so much respect for nurses. Like the work that they do is just uh, the hours and just the that the work that they, all the work they do that isn't, you know, written down what they're necessarily meant to be doing, all the stuff that goes unseen, it's insane. Mm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of nurses take, it also is like compassion um, being so compassionate towards people takes a toll on your body and you end up going home thinking about patients mm-hmm. and then depending on what ward you're on you know some people like trauma units and like mental health units and that sort of stuff like some of these people see some really horrific things yeah yeah absolutely um mm-hmm. yeah well anyway back to the music side yeah well going down this yeah. crazy <laughs> it happens it does um so like i've listened to your music heard it on triple j and it's powerful it's empowering and being completely honest though my specialty sex not music um so i don't know heaps on the music industry so i guess i'd love to know more about your experience within it and i guess what your yeah experience been like creating and releasing this music to the world and like how the response has been yeah um before I got into the into music like seriously I always thought that the music industry was going to be like this super closed off place that like I couldn't access um because it just seemed so like you know Hollywood and stuff like that you know and you go to festivals and everything's fenced off and such it's so hard to be to be a musician in this country um so I always thought that I couldn't have access to it and then I started gigging in and I realized that it's actually not difficult if if you commit to it I feel like there's a lot of people who are so talented and who like who like you know so many people can sing and so many people can like make music but like if you really want to make a career you kind of have to put your foot on the gas quite a lot um yeah that's been my experience with the music industry they're not forgiving you know, if you, like, stop doing what you're doing just for a little bit, you've forgotten about. So especially as, like, a, a woman and a black woman, like, you have to really kind of put yourself out there and you have to be, like, prepared to also take a lot of flack from people because, like, my honest – my experience of my music and my encounters and my shows are really fun, but, like, the music industry itself is fucking brutal, you know. It's actually not fun. It's not fun arguing with um, 
people who tell you that you don't deserve something, you know, on stage, you know, you'll, you'll go because music is much more than what you see. You go there for 30, 45 minutes, you see an artist, but you don't yeah. see it rock up, load in, talk to the sound people, you know, the managers are all talking and that sort of stuff. And then you go on to the show and then what comes after, like, it's a whole, it's a whole lifestyle kind of thing. And I've been, I've enjoyed it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'd enjoy it, but it's, it's pretty full on. Hmm. Yeah, I can imagine it would be. Um, and especially trying to like just create music you're passionate about without other people probably trying to have all their opinions and things and push you on a path that they want people to go on. Mm. Yeah. When I feel like when you start putting out things that are publicly accessed, people love to tell you their opinion and that's well you make music you make people I you make, I make music for myself and I make music for my people and for other people to enjoy so I guess that then gives them the right to tell me what they think about it and some of it isn't positive but it like a, it does make it worth it when people um, really connect with you on your music and share really nice things with you about it so there's such good and such evil things about music and the music industry yeah, I can imagine that. Now, I'd love to talk about Pinnacle Bitch. Yes! Um, this, yeah, it's, it's my jam. So, obviously, you're referencing, like, sucking dick, being wet, and mm-hmm. sexuality, which, obviously, I love. That's, that's <laughs> my shit. I would take my top. It says I love sex. <laughs> that's a nice green. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, I guess I'd love to, like, know, like, what empowers you to create music that embraces sexuality? I would have to say uh, growing up in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. I listened to so much sex music and not all from women, also from men. It's been really yeah. interesting. When I was younger, I used to listen to like only the Pussycat Dolls and Britney Spears, obviously, hence my first track, mm-hmm. and like Lil' Kim where they're talking about sexuality and then I got into like my mid teenage, like 18 or like 16, 17, 18. And then I still only started listening to men, which was really weird. And I would only listen to these like violent fucking songs about women's sexuality. And then I got to my mid 20s or like early 20s. And I was like, I haven't listened to a male rapper really in a very, mm-hmm. very fucking long time. All I listen to is women in rap now and their hyperconfidence and. I guess what inspires me to write lyrics where I can own my own sexuality is seeing other women and other black women in particular, like paving the way, you know, like, yeah, I guess I, I am only able to do that because I feel confident enough because I've seen other women do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And when you mentioned Pussycat Doll, that just like unlocked right? of me, like I was born year 2000. So like I grew up, shaking my ass as a little kid to the pussycat dolls like I was obsessed I remember seeing on the TV like they're so hot and like talking about sex and even like Rihanna I loved listening to her music and I 100% like it has empowered me to be more sexual and embrace my sexuality and even just my like the way my mood can shift in like a car drive like I can have something depressing yeah. on yeah. and then like Megan the Stallion will come on or something and I'm like, let's fucking go. <laughs> and that's what's so good about that kind of music. It makes you feel something. Yeah, absolutely. We're not just disconnecting from it. It's so good to see now that we're seeing so many um, women 
in rap and in hip hop and in other genres of music or in their sexuality because we didn't really have that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you always been like open in owning your sexuality and like talking about sexuality? No, not at all. Um, I come from Tasmania, like which mm-hmm. was I grew up down there. I don't well, my people aren't from there, but um, I did grow up there. Um, and I'm adopted into the mob down there, but it's such a small town. It's such a small town um, that I was never really around like super, uh, like everyone's really conservative down there as much as I can say. And um, yeah, it's only been that I've kind of moved away from there that I started writing because I've always wanted to do that like in my bedroom I would do it in the mirror like you know like you say listen to Pussycat Dolls I would always like want that to be something that's in my music and like you know empower the women but yeah no Tassie is really 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 small so it wasn't until I got a bit older that I was able to kind of like I move away from Tassie sorry that I was able to separate myself from there and think that it, hey I can talk about this sort of stuff and I'm not going to get publicly shamed and I'm not going to be put in group chats and I'm, oh I, well I probably am but I don't give a fuck really because I'm not there you know like they probably talk all sorts of shit about me down there because they're fucking jealous that's why nah. <laughs> <laughs> like when you move away from a small town and you start getting a bit more like you know independent and yeah. you can kind of be who you are and you don't have anybody like looking over your shoulder and I feel like yeah, that's kind of why I was just kind of like, well, if I'm going to fucking do it, I'm going to do it 100%. So let's suck some dick. Yeah, absolutely. I feel yeah. the same thing coming from Port Ferry to Geelong. Even though it was only two and a half hours, it made all the fucking difference. And like, there is no way that I would have been able to have this podcast, even probably be a sexologist if I had to stay there. Right. Like, no way. And I remember when I launched the podcast, I was like, this is going to be a fucking scandal. I was like, I'm going to be the talk of the town. Like, they're going to be mortified. Even my dad, he was stressing. He was like, oh, my God. Like, I, he's a tradie. He's like, I'm going to be on the job side. And, like, the apprentices are going to be bringing this up. Like, what are you doing? And I was I like, fuck I it. Think, I don't think some of my family has seen the cover of Pinnacle Bitch. And I really hope that they don't or anything that I have online about it because I tell you right fucking now, it's, <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to go down. But whatever. Yeah, it's all right when, like, yeah, I guess as your career progresses, hopefully there's just that um, desensitization and, you know, when you are, like, extremely successful, they'll be like, fucking, let's go. Yeah, let's go. I'm buying all the house, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Do you have any advice for, like, I guess people wanting to step further into their sexuality at all through, like, what your experience? I would say that everybody has their own journey and their own sexuality. We're all extremely different. So one pathway um, would not fit everyone. So I think that you should get to know yourself more and what you like and what you don't like and also set up around like boundaries so then you feel really comfortable within yourself. And I feel like it will come naturally once you start to respect yourself more and, you know, don't hang around people who don't respect you. I feel like sexuality is so much deeper than just the actual act of sex or like dressing sexy or speaking sexy. It's all about confidence and confidence comes from self-love. So, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
And I think it's so important the people you surround yourself with, like, as you said, and not even in a sexual sense, even just friends. Like, I um, found myself once I started studying sexology and I went over um, to WA and met my, like, cohort. And, oh, my God, I had never felt like I stepped into my sexuality so much just being around people who are on the same energy level. Like, it's amazing what that can do. Yeah, that's it. That's almost exactly what happened to me when I came here to Nam. Um, I, ha- I hang, I started hanging, ha- I started hanging out with um people who also look like me. You know, like I'm a black girl from Tassie. There's not many of us down there, and mm-hmm. so majority of my friends um can't have that connection with me. And since moving up here, I've actually found that you know I feel a lot more comfortable around like massive groups of people who look like me share the same things and um, same experiences as me it also just made me feel a lot beautiful more beautiful in my own skin you know like down in Tassie the beauty standard is blonde hair blue eyes like white skin surfer looking type people that's what that like Australians find attractive so for me I was never seen as, as attractive or like sexy or never made to feel that way and then when I moved up here I'm heaps of multicultural people I started realizing that yeah I can wear crop tops and I can get my tits out and wear small tops and like act that way out here and I don't feel shame of my body um and it's definitely helped my sexuality a lot too because like I said before like when you find your people who make you feel good about who you are and don't yeah like obviously and not looking at you in a through a sexual lens like they're more looking at you as a person but you can just own your sexuality yeah yeah, definitely. It's honestly the best feeling when you can step into that. Yay! It's like, yeah, it's like no other feeling. Like it's, yeah, it's so great, especially when it's something that we're often taught to suppress, especially as women. It's very much like, you know, you got to fit this certain standard, and I'm so like, I'm so against that. Like, I will s- scream against everything that. I guess mm-hmm. oppresses women when it comes to sex. And if that means getting on here and talking about my sex life and things like that, I'm like, fucking let's do it. <laughs> that was like the other day I was like thinking about what would happen if my old private school asked me to come back and like talk to the kids. Because mm-hmm. they used to do that. They used to bring people in and like, you know, you talk to the kids. And I've done that already at my brother's school. But it's an all-girls school. It's an all-girls Catholic. Oh, it's a Catholic. It's one of them one of those schools and I just oh I reckon I'm just gonna be like fuck all these motherfucking teachers here who tell you that like you know these girls are being paired with boy schools so Mm -hmm. that they all date the same people so all the money stays in the same families that's what these private schools do they they manipulate social situations so that you date people that they want you to and a lot of these times these relationships are extremely toxic because we already know that all boys schools don't benefit boys mm-hmm. girls learn better when they're with girls and boys learn better when they're with girls because girls and our feminine energy is just so like you know we have such a good way of like communicating and embracing each other whereas like that toxic masculinity and the way that that was structured for boys school is not good and it, it definitely impacted me and my sexuality when I was went to that school and I can just see, like, all the girls that I've spoken to that I went to school with from there have been abused by men, like, sexually assaulted by men, who are usually all from that school as well. And so mm-hmm. it's just, like, what kind of communities and what kind of societies are we moulding for young people? What are we talking yeah. about? 
That's right, eh? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We're talking about like yeah, like yeah, like sexuality and um I'm trying to think the last thing I said before we were talking about that. Or like yeah, being impressed as women with our sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I hope I don't think my school would ever invite me back. I did get invited back once before the pod I think I don't know if the podcast was out yet. It might have just been. And I did get invited back to talk about like uni. Obviously I made it all about sexual uh, like Mm -hmm. not sexuality, but like sexology as much as I could. Um, but I don't think now I feel like they would be like terrified that mm. like, oh my god, she's gonna get up there and like corrupt everyone. Which is so crazy how they could be scared that you're sexually corrupting people by mm-hmm. uh, like unlocking people's yeah confidence. I know, and all the research says that the more sex ed that we have, the less like risky sexual behaviors people engage in. Everything that they're terrified of goes down. I watched something on the news today that was talking about this sexologist who went into a school and they interviewed like three young boys and these two young girls. And the boys were like, yeah, I was like, didn't want to come, but I actually learned so much. And I was actually like shocked by the statistics of young girls who've been assaulted. And I learned all about consent because, you know, we don't like to talk about it. And these boys were all just like talking freely about how they didn't know. And that's just so true. Like we don't mm-hmm. teach that in school. No, not at all. And like, what I we on is, all I got taught was like STIs. That was it. Yeah. Like, from the and how to put a condom on. Like, the yeah. and I. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, literally, that was it. And that still didn't stop me getting chlamydia three times. Well, <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it's so flawed, eh? Yeah, no, it is. Um, now, I would love if you're comfortable to talk about some juicy topics around sex. So, obviously, mm-hmm. podcast is called That's Orgasmic. So, I'd mm-hmm. love to ask guests about their most orgasmic sex, least orgasmic sex. Um, so, if you feel comfortable discussing yeah. it, I would love to know what is, like, the most orgasmic sex you've experienced. I think I've had a few of them, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I don't think, like, to me, I feel like sex is so plentiful <laughs> that mm-hmm. – it would, it would, I feel like trying to pin one time down would then kind of shut my mind down to that I couldn't experience the same level again or I'm not going to. Yeah. So for me, like, I, I personally think that it has to be the whole mindset. So it's not just about it being hot. Obviously, it has to be hot. Like, I'm not into boring shit. Like, it, I need the lights on and like all that sort of shit. I want to look at you. Um, but when it's like super consensual, and super, um, you feel the same way about each other, um, or doesn't even have to have feelings involved. But it just, I just mean that like you both want to do the same things as each other, and it's respectful. I think that respectful sex is what is important to me. That I feel respected and I feel comfortable enough to be sexy or to like express myself. Because you know, when you're not safe, you feel a little bit stiff and like you don't want to do some positions and you don't want people to look at you a certain way. So. For me, I feel like I can really let go and just think like mentally about what I'm doing and what's being done to me and just kind of like be in the moment rather than focus on what I look like or focus on if they think that I'm sexy. That's probably yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or yeah, I'm love- by myself and I'm feeling myself and I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's nothing like being able to be in a sexual, like, I don't know if situation is the right word, but like having sex where you're not in your head. You're fully yeah. in your body, yeah. feeling everything, 
feeling your partner like especially like I'm a big eye contact person like you said yeah. I like lights on I cannot have sex in the dark like no. I just can't do it like a lights lamp something off. has to be on and you don't know what's going on and so you turn the lights off because you're scared you're gonna get judged that's what that is when you're growing yeah lights on put the put the spotlights on <laughs> let me see everything I like mood lighting make my skin feel nice yeah, no, mood lighting does do that. Really, like, um, what's yeah, the look word? At this, or yeah. like the yeah, exactly. Wait, I'll show you what my room looks like when I <laughs> put the lights on. It's actually such a vibe. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. yeah, perfect. Might leave it off. Actually, it's kind of like yeah, feel no. a bit more sensual. Um, <laughs> no, I love that. I've got. I can't deal with the um white lights. My partner has like a, a lamp, but it's like the light is white. White. Why? Why do I don't know and it is so blinding and just so harsh and I'm like whereas mine are like the yellow like that like yeah. that like really it's nice really that. yeah I'm like they need to change it because I can't I can't do it <laughs> even in the morning when it flicks on I get fucking blinded yeah I really want to get one of those lava lamps yeah I know they're so pretty yeah, yeah. I used to one when I was growing up but it was like yeah stunning yeah now I guess what makes sex not so orgasmic for you mm. Well, I'm a woman, so I've obviously been sexually harassed or assaulted, obviously. But I think the most unorgasmic sex is when you're pressured into it, that you don't want to do it, obviously. Um, That you're not respected, the complete opposite. Um, And when you're not ready and you feel like you have to. Whereas, like, I feel like so many situations I've gotten myself into where I have been pressured into doing something that I didn't want to do and that I feel like really gross afterwards and that's not what sex is supposed to be and that's not what pleasure is supposed to be and that's probably the most anti-orgasmic thing that like sex that I could have or like you know have had is just when you feel the opposite of what you're supposed to feel which is you're supposed to feel happy and joyful and like light and all the emotions that are associated with feeling you know yeah no, absolutely, and I, like it's it's sad, but I feel like every single woman who's had sex has probably been in that in that situation. I know I have many times, and it mm. honestly took me having to like put boundaries in place for myself because I was like, all right, I don't have the confidence right now to have my voice, so I need to put other boundaries in place to make sure that I can build that and mm. take that step. Because um, it's it can be really hard, especially with like. Um, I see it, feel like I see it a lot with online dating and like hookup culture and things like that where somebody will meet somebody off like a dating app for instance and then like oh I'm actually not too sure so it's not like 100% yes but like oh it's not that bad and then it's like that murky in the middle mm. where you're just not into it and like mm. not feeling it and yeah there's nothing it, as you said like that can literally is the least orgasmic sex you can have and there's no education either about how to get yourself out of that situation apart yeah. from wait till it's over you yeah, know exactly. i've never had conversations with grown-ups you know the basics no is no if you don't want to stop it but like what actually what do i actually say with my mouth do i say mm-hmm. like what tools can i use because i feel like just saying to kids like just say no it's not that simple that's so hard to say you can't just no that's that's really to expect a child and a young teenager or a young adult or an adult that saying no is easy that's that's not true yeah 
No, absolutely. And they definitely need a lot more education just around different ways to ask for things to slow down or yeah. for it to be a no. Because sometimes that's all it's needed is, hang on, let's slow down so that I can actually work out if I'm if I'm here and wanting this. I've got this, I picked up, me and my partner picked up this deck of cards. It's like a chakra sex card. Oh, yeah, fun, yeah. Yeah, we played it the other day, and one of the one of the cards was that you have to touch each other really slowly, and you can't um, fasten up. Even if things get hot and sweaty, you have to keep checking in with each other and keep going slowly. And that's the exercise about learning how to be slow and not letting your emotions get too above. Because obviously, you can do that. Whatever. This is like a nice game to kind of check back in with yourself and like moving slowly and consent and everything like that. And yeah. that was so like I was like, wow. Yeah, was it's so nice. Cards when I was eighteen. Yeah, that's so funny you say that because I've literally just started with my current partner. Um, it's called Sensate Focus, which is literally the same thing where you just you just touch slowly mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily trying to like um, lead to sex, but just trying to connect with each other and get yeah. in your body and comfortable yeah. with the touch because it's not often you slow down and actually have, I guess, everything touched in a way that isn't necessarily like you know leading to sex because it's often quite fast paced and you know we follow the same script quite often like you know the same steps that you go through so it's so nice to switch it up and say all right let's do something different and almost look at each other's bodies as if we've never seen it before yeah I feel like games and toys and everything like that are so shunned you know I've had partners before who have (laughs) pretty much been insulted that I want to use a toy because they think that it has something to do with them and I'm just like yeah it does you can't you're not making me feel something but that's not shameful I I need to discover what I like and I'd like to use toys and it's so interesting how we don't learn about games or toys or things that you can add to the sex or the bedroom until you start having sex and then you start discovering it for yourself like why are we not teaching kids about it before like because I feel like it would get – well, I don't have the answers, obviously. I'm not an educator, yeah. and I don't, but, like, I'm just thinking when I was a kid, I would have liked to learn about them and know what they are instead of, like, well, absolutely. get older and then dabble in it a bit. Even just include pleasure in the curriculum. Like, exactly. yeah. uh, actually tell us we have a clitoris. Yeah. That would be nice. Right. <laughs> I know some boys that we have, like, more than one hole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And, like, you know, sex toys – can be just amazing sexual aids to enhance pleasure for everybody. Like I use one nearly every time I have sex yeah. and I have like no shame in that because I want to experience the maximum pleasure I can. And right. the way I'm going to do that is through a sex toy. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> literally like my whole stash. Room, I'm gonna, soon I'm going to have a whole fucking room. It's literally just going to be vibrators. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think now I'm getting older. I'm like, I want to get like a cute basket to put them all in. Or like yeah. a little, maybe like, draw you know area (laughs) yeah absolutely well my drawer is like fully overflowing and some of them are so cute now that I have them on display because they don't they don't necessarily look like a sex toy like you if you know you know but if you don't know you're just like oh like what a cute like little prop like I saw one the other day was a cactus and I was like I need that I was like 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 a bong yeah yeah literally (laughs) um and yeah it was I just I can't wait it's literally the whole my whole house is just like like sex what's the word like sexual innuendos is that the right word yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um amazing well I'd love to know um what's something anything at all doesn't have to be sexual 
something that is orgasmic to you yeah I read this question and I was like fuck what's orgasmic to me I wasn't uh I wasn't gonna talk about it but like I feel like we're in a safe place yeah I absolutely I really like I really like listening to ASMR. Oh, yeah. I actually don't mind it too. It comes up on my TikTok all the time. Yeah, but I like food ASMR. Oh, I'm eating, yeah. No, I can't. But it's not as though, like, I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to go and fuck someone. Yeah, yeah. you do. I just love – I hate I hate it when people sit next to me and eat loudly. I fucking hate that. But when I watch some of these ASMR eating videos, I go – she looks like she's enjoying that. Yeah. And it makes her feel like she's having an orgasm with the food. And I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, I don't know. I can't it's tell sensual. you. It's sensual. It's sensual. It is sensual, but also it makes me really hungry. And then yeah. when I eat, I'm like also having an orgasm while I eat. It's like, you know, sometimes sometimes when I eat KFC fried chicken, I've been thinking about it for ages. Mm-hmm. I sit there and I think, ah, oh, you know that video? That'll make a pussy throb. Yeah. <laughs> I feel. And then I thought, oh, my God, it's not just me. There's a community of us out there that, anyway, I'm digging myself such a huge hole and that's so funny. <laughs> no, I'm going to go watch some after this. <laughs> We're doing the podcast now. So <laughs> don't fucking come up to me and ask me about my fucking ASMR. If you <laughs> see me this year, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I'll be able to I'll watch them. Yeah. <laughs> now, thank you so much for coming on. I'd just to like finish up for anyone listening who wants to find your music, your content, socials, where can they find you? Uh, well, I have Instagram. That's where I do most of my posts through. So when I'm doing shows and stuff like that, so you can find me at Miss Kanina. And then I also have a TikTok, which is a bit more bullshit, but it's a bit more political, which I enjoy. Um, so that's Miss Kanina as well. But um, I've got Spotify, SoundCloud and all that stuff. So you can get all that through, all the links through my Instagram and playing a bunch of shows at the end of the year as well. So come along to a show if you want to hear me talking about sucking dick in the morning amazing and i'll put everything in the show notes as well so everyone can easily find you (laughs) but thank you so much for coming on and talking about your music and your sexuality as well thanks so much for having me on girl